Hello, welcome to God Day. And I'm Derek Walker, the pastor of the Oxford Bible Church. And I want to center our thoughts, really, on the central person of the Bible, Jesus, praise God today, the Son of God. But I want to especially emphasize that he's not just the Son of God, he is God the Son. And this is emphasizing the fact that he is God. We know God is the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Three persons, yet one being. And, and so God is awesome. He's far above anything we can imagine. And so the Bible tells us that God the Son took on a human nature, and, uh, which is called Jesus, in order to identify with us, in order to reveal himself to us, in order to save us and also to bring us to God and bring us into God, as it were, uh, so that we would have fellowship with God forever and ever. And so he is the central person of the Bible. And to be saved, it's essential to believe in the deity of Christ. So I hope I can expand your vision of Christ today, that he is a man and that makes him touchable, but he is also God. And therefore, he deserves our submission, our absolute submission, and our worship, because he is Lord, praise God. And uh, his name, Yeshua, means that Yah represents Yah, Yahweh. He, he's God, but also he's Shua is our savior, our salvation. He is the Lord, our salvation. He had to be the Lord God to save us because the Bible is very clear that only God can save us. God and God alone is our savior. So he had to be God, but at the same time, he had to become a man to identify with us. Uh, and through, his, through union with his humanity, we, we come into Christ and in Christ, we have our salvation. And so the Bible's a revelation of God and especially of our Lord Jesus because he's our savior. He's the source of eternal life. He's the central person of the Bible. You can't really understand the Bible at all unless you know Jesus. And so the scripture says you salvation depends on believing in Jesus, you know, and you have to come to Jesus to be saved. So you might believe all the lot of good, right things, but if you don't have that personal co committed relationship with Jesus, praise God. If, you, if he doesn't have the loyalty of your heart, th then, you're, then you're not saved. And so you have to come to him personally to receive salvation and eternal life. Christianity is a very personal thing. And if you take Jesus out of Christianity, you're left with nothing at all. Because in a very real sense, Christianity is Jesus. It's knowing Jesus, and through knowing Jesus, we, we know God. Jesus said in John 5, 30, 39 and 40, you search the scriptures, which is a good thing, for in them you think you have eternal life. And these are they which testify of me. Jesus is claiming that the scriptures are all talking about him. But you're not willing to come to me that you have life. In other words, the scriptures point to Jesus and you find life by finding Jesus. And once you find Jesus, praise God, then you have eternal life because eternal life is in Jesus. So the scriptures point us to Jesus where we have life. So 
he said again in John 20, 31. These things are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you might have life in his name. It's very personal, you see. You have to believe in a person, a specific person, whom God has revealed to be his Son and our Savior. And through believing in him, you have life, eternal life, praise God. There is no salvation outside of Jesus. 1 John 5:11 says, God has given us eternal life and, his, and this life is in his Son. He who has the Son has life and he who does not have the Son does not have life. You can't get clearer than that. God's life is in his Son. And if you are trust in him and you have the Son because you receive him, because he offers himself to you, freely and you receive him as your Lord and Savior. If you have the Son, then you have life. But if you reject the Son, you don't have life. And so the Bible puts Jesus right in the middle of everything, you see. And so it's no good having the form of godliness, uh, but denying the power. See, Jesus is the power. He's the reality. He's the truth. He's the reality of all of this. And, and you can have the form of Christianity, but not have Jesus himself. And so God is bringing you to Jesus. And the closer you are to Jesus, the more you will experience the reality of what the Bible talks about. And that's what it means when Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. The, that word truth means reality. He is, you find the reality in Jesus through knowing him. So I want to talk about Jesus today and, and um, in particular, build your faith in, in who he is. Uh, the, the Bible say, pr- pr- says that God became a man in the person of Jesus. John 1.1 says, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. And this is a picture within the Trinity here that this, this one called the word is, is a name for Jesus. He was with God and he was God. Uh, he is divine. But when it says he's with God, that's the word pros. It means he's face to face. The Father and the Son. God the Father and God the Son were face to face in fellowship for all eternity, loving one another, giving themselves to one another, and as it were, giving themselves through the Holy Spirit. And there are actually the three that are one. But then it says in verse 14 that this eternal word became flesh, became a man and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father. That's talking about the fact that he's God the Son. And, and he is one with the Father, full of grace and truth. And so the Son of God... God the Son became a man. And this is the most important message within the Bible, that Jesus is not just a man, but he's fully God. He's God the Son, and only the Holy Spirit can reveal that to you. Uh, And if that is true, he is worthy of your full love and devotion, your absolute loyalty, the total submission of your heart and life, because he is God. And your, and your worship and your service. And this truth is expressed by the central Christian confession 
It's almost like definitive for a Christian to confess that Jesus is Lord. You see, if you can say that and, and, and understand what it means, uh, that is a sign of your salvation. It says this in Romans 10.9. It says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So if you declare from your heart, Jesus is Lord. So if you ever have doubts about your salvation, just proclaim, Jesus is Lord. And, and this is a declaration actually that Jesus Christ possesses the absolute, this word Lord means this absolute and final authority that only belongs to God. Um, in other words, there, you see, we experience authority. Our parents were in authority over us. There are people at work in authority, the judges, the rulers, the kings of the earth, all kinds of authorities. But all of those authorities are delegated authorities. All authority ultimately comes from God. There is only one being who has authority within himself, inherent authority, um, and that is God. And when we say Jesus is Lord, we are saying he is one that has absolute authority. It's not the right, it, it's absolute authority. In other words, it's a declaration that he is God. And secondly, when you declare Jesus is Lord, you're really expressing your own submission to his authority. As it were, you're saying Jesus is my Lord. Because he is Lord, he is my Lord. And that means he is my master, my owner. And that's the confession of the early Christians. Now, the, the early Christians refused, you see, to confess that Caesar is Lord. This is why they were persecuted so much in the Romans, because they were told to confess Jesus, Caesar as Lord, which essentially they wouldn't do it because they knew the meaning of that is that Caesar is, is God. He is this absolute authority. Uh, and they were even willing to die for that sin, stand, because for them, only Jesus was Lord, that absolute authority. See, if Jesus is Lord, as, as the cults might say, just means that Jesus is um, a person of high rank, you know, somebody who has a, a great degree of authority, but he's not God, he's just a senior person to me, so I say he's Lord, then the Christians would have been very happy to say Caesar is Lord. They were good citizens. They were quite prepared to submit to Caesar as, as being in, over them in the, in the government of the empire. Uh, that wouldn't have been an issue. But the fact that this confession, Caesar is Lord, they couldn't say it because it would be to say that he is God. He, is, he has that kind of authority. And they would say, no, we can't because for us, Jesus is Lord. So you've got to understand this confession of lordship is actually declaring that Jesus is God to be worshipped. And that is the Christian confession. And that is what marks you out as a Christian, that you're prepared to say that. Not just saying, Jesus, yeah, I think highly of Jesus. He's above me. That's, that, isn't, that isn't saving faith. It's when you declare that Jesus is your God. And so that, that's why the early Christians were persecuted because they stood on that, on their faith in Christ as the Lord, the absolute authority. 
And so that is the Christian confession. And if you can say that from your heart, then the Bible says you're, you're saved. All right. Um, notice it says, you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead and confess with your mouth that he is Lord. Do you see that that contains the fact that he is both God and man? Because if he was raised from the dead, that means he became a man and he died in his humanity and he rose again. And so you believe that he is that special man, but also by declaring that he is Lord means that you also understand that he is God. In other words, he's the God man. Praise God. And the Bible gives us a model of faith, even in Thomas, surprisingly, uh, because Thomas is given as an example of someone who believes. Let's look at that in John chapter 20. Uh, of course, he wasn't a perfect believer, and we can take hope from that. But in John chapter 20, verse 26, um, we know the story as it says, after eight days from his resurrection. Now, on the evening of the resurrection, Jesus appeared to the other disciples, but Thomas wasn't there, so he missed this. And he didn't believe that testimony. He said, I want to see Jesus for myself. And God was very gracious to him in, in granting that. So this is after eight days. His disciples were again inside, and Thomas with them. And Jesus came, the doors being shut, and stood in the midst and said, Peace be to you. And then he said to Thomas, reach your finger here and look at my hands. Reach your hand here and put it in my side. Do not be unbelieving, but believing. And Thomas answered and said to him, my Lord and my God. I want you to notice that is a strong confession of faith. He says, my Lord and my God. So there's no doubt that Thomas understood that Jesus was not just Lord, as it were, but God. His Lordship is absolute. My Lord and my God. In other words, Thomas worshipped him as God. And how did Jesus react to that? Because in the Bible, for instance, in other places, where, an, where uh, John, even in the book of Revelation, he falls down and worships an angel, and he's immediately rebuked because he's told, you must only worship God. And if Jesus was not God, and this is the risen Jesus, so we ought to know if he's God or not. If Jesus is not God, then Jesus would have told him off right there. He said, no, don't worship me because I'm, uh, I'm, just, uh, you know, I'm just the Messiah, but I'm not God. But Jesus doesn't because Jesus commends him actually. And he says, Thomas, because you've seen me, you have believed. In other words, at last, Thomas, you've actually come to faith. You say, you have believed. So he is commended for his response. This is how you are saved, through realizing he's your Lord and your God. By the way, didn't Jesus say in Matthew 4.10, when Satan um, said, oh, bow down and worship me and I'll give you the kingdoms of the earth. Jesus said, you will worship the Lord, your God, and him only shall you serve. In other words, you should only worship and serve God. Uh, and therefore, the fact that Jesus accepted worship from many, including Thomas, means he must be God. 
And so the cults that teach that Jesus is not God uh, are in, in a very dangerous place because they, they do not have that saving faith. It hasn't been revealed to their heart and they're not willing to submit to Jesus as God. And so that their faith is lacking, sadly. Because notice, he says, blessed are those who have seen and yet have believed. And so he's saying Thomas has believed and therefore he's blessed. And that means blessed with eternal life, blessed with salvation. Thomas is an example of saving faith. He's blessed and he's saying that, but Tom, not everyone is going to get to see you. See me, said Jesus, like Thomas, he says, but blessed are those who have the same kind of faith and yet they haven't even seen Jesus. And if that's you, you've, you've seen him, spiritually speaking, God has revealed to you that Jesus is also God and you are, through that faith, you are blessed with eternal life. Praise God, because you put your faith in him. And then it goes on and says, truly, Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you might have life in his name. And so it's by believing in Jesus, like Thomas believed, you see. Thomas was given as an example of a believer, all right, an imperfect believer, but he expressed his faith with that confession, my Lord and my God. And then that is defined as believing. And if you believe, you have life in his name. If you cannot say that to Jesus, you are my Lord and my God, then you do not have saving faith as, as yet. And Jesus said, uh, so it's essential to believe that Jesus is fully God and fully man to have that saving faith. That is the key to eternal life. Jesus said in John 47, most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me as the God-man has everlasting life. Jesus said in John 5, this is a strong one, John 8, 58. He said, most assuredly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. I'm the eternal one. And then they took up stones to, th to throw at him. To, why? Because they knew he was claiming to be God. And, and Jesus said in John 8, 24, I said to you that you will die in your sins. For if you do not believe that I am, you will die in your sins. In other words, if you do not believe in the deity of Christ, you will die in your sins. That's a serious warning. So Jesus claimed, you see, to be the God-man. And when God raised him from the dead, that was God saying, everything Jesus claimed about himself is true. He claimed, he said, I am the door into the kingdom of God. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way, the truth and the life. See, these are claims that only God can make if they're true, you see. And so Jesus was indeed the God-man. And um, Jesus claimed to be the son of God and that's why the Jews tried to stone him. He says, because they, were, they, they, they said he was trying to make, he was making himself equal with God. And he was, he never denied that. Um, it's interesting in John 5, 23, it says, it, Jesus said, it's the Father's will 
that all should honor the Son just as they honor the Father. <coughs> In other words, all should worship the Son as they worship the Father. He puts himself on the same level, that he should receive the same honor as the Father. Well, that can only mean that he is God, you see. And we are not true believers in Jesus Christ if we do not believe in him, that he is the God as well as man. He says, he who does not honor the Son, in other words, honor him like the Father is honored. Uh, in other words, those who don't honor him as God does not honor the Father who sent him. So if you reject, though you might claim that you believe in God and you honor God, if you reject the Son of God as God, then you're actually dishonoring the Father. And, and so Jesus makes it clear that he and he alone is the, the, the way, the truth, the life. Hallelujah. Well, we see this in the very key passage where Jesus announces the church, Matthew 16, where he asks the disciples, who do you say I am? That's the key question, really. This is the entrance. He is the door. This is the entrance into salvation, into the kingdom of God, is the person of Jesus. And you have to have a revelation of who Jesus is uh, to enter in. And who do you say Jesus is? That's the key question. And Peter, of course, declared the great confession. You are the Christ, the son of the living God. He was declaring, and in Jewish thinking, to be the son of God means you're God. All right, the son is equal to the father. And that's why they tried to stone him when they said that. But basically, he declares, he's not just the son of man, he's the son of God. And Jesus answered, blessed are you. Simon Barjona. In other words, you're blessed with eternal life. You're blessed with salvation. Peter's a picture of those who are saved. They have a saving faith. They believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. He says, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven. In other words, you can only know this by revelation from God. God has to show this to your heart. Now it happens as you seek God. And as you seek God and you say, God, I want to know you. I want to know if Jesus is the real deal, if he really is your son, if he really is the Messiah. And if you seek God, you will find him. God will show the truth to you. And, and, but it is something that is supernatural. It's something that God has to reveal to your heart who Jesus is. And Peter now has had that revelation, praise God. He's, and he says, you, only, you didn't work it out by your own cleverness. You got it by revelation from the Father. And then Jesus said, and I also say to you that you are Peter. This is Petros, which means a little stone, a pebble. All right. And on this rock, now he uses a different word, which is Petra, which means a massive rock. So when he says on this rock, he's talking about himself. Jesus is the rock. He's the foundation rock on which everything is built. And what he's really saying to Peter is, okay, you are a chip off the old block. You, I am the rock, I'm the foundation. But when you trusted in me, you became a, a rock that is built on the rock. You see, God is our rock. That is one of the names of God. That is not, Peter is not the rock on which the church is built, right? Thank God. 
Jesus is the rock. But when we put our trust in him, as Peter says in his letter, we become living stones built on the foundation of Jesus Christ, and that is our salvation. Hallelujah. He says, and on this rock, I will build my church. In other words, Peter is a picture of all of us. We're all living stones. And when we trust in Christ, we are put, built on the rock, and we become a living stone. In other words, Christ's life comes into us and we are blessed with eternal life. Hallelujah. And and Peter's interaction here with the Lord is a type, a picture, a blueprint for how any believer comes into Christ and becomes part of his great temple of believers. We're all living stones built on the foundation of Jesus Christ. But the key, the key is to have that revelation and to be able to confess that Jesus is Lord, that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. That's the saving faith that that brings us into God's kingdom and causes us to be blessed with eternal life. This Peter was just being used by Jesus as a picture of all believers since then who, who have this revelation. The key revelation that makes you part of God's church, God's temple, God's people, the body of Christ is actually this revelation of who Jesus is. And by embracing that revelation and by confessing that revelation, this is the central truth of the Bible, the person of Jesus Christ, who he is. And if you know him as the son of God, as God the son who has become a man, and you embrace him as your Lord. And if you haven't done that, I invite you just to do that right now and say, Jesus, I believe in you. You are the Son of God. You died for my sins. You rose from the dead. You are Lord, absolute Lord. And I surrender my life to you. I give my heart to you. And I ask you to give me your gift of eternal life, and please forgive my sins. He'll do that. He'll come into your heart right now and make you blessed with eternal life. Amen. Mm